Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week and a huge, huge, huge game coming up on Saturday night here in Philadelphia as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 39. At the top of this show, as always, we've got Chalk Talk, where Greg Cosell and I chat about the Eagles' loss to Arizona. But really, we're going to dive into this matchup against the Washington Redskins as we preview that team on both sides of the football to see how these two teams match up. Next up on Two Technique, we've got Eagles cornerback Randall Evans on how to play to your help as a cornerback when you're in man coverage and you want to play to those safeties in the middle of the field. How do you properly do that from a technique standpoint? And then we close it out. We're talking about some bowl matchups and college football, underclassmen announcements for the NFL draft, all that on Saturday scouting. But before we get into all that, it's time to welcome in my favorite guy in the room, the man with the plan, my esteemed producer, Cheltenham High School graduate, Brian Thomas. What's up, Go BT? Panthers. Let's go. That's right. Uh, big big week this week. Obviously, the, the game on Saturday night is going to be uh, electric. I would think the atmosphere is ginormous, huge, <laughs> huge as Merle would say. But I mean, this game is going to be uh, a big electric match. And it's interesting. We haven't had a a kind of a must win play in game versus the Redskins in a uh, I think two thousand eight. Yeah, that's we a played, good point. Played, I didn't so, think about so, that. So you think about it, you know, we, we've gone with Dallas, we've gone to New York, and it's kind of created that rivalry, that that, that animosity. Um, and I have some, I have most of my family's from DC, so it's nice to kind of have a little little rubbing I, going I, back and forth. I didn't ribbing. think about that. We've had some where you know it was a do or die for the Eagles. You know, the, yeah, just, last just, years, just, last years was yeah. the killer for them, but not on both sides. Not on that's both a, sides. And point. the thing is, the Redskins have been very lowly, haven't been playing well, obviously in the last couple of years. Um, and obviously the RG3 year, we sure. weren't good. So it was kind of like the one year they were good, we were down. So it's interesting to see what they're, what they're like in a, in a big primetime uh, must-win game. No question about it. Well, let's, let's not waste any time. Let's jump into the X's and O's of this matchup with Chalk Talk. It's my man Greg Costell from NFL Films. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining me once again here on Chalk Talk, NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. And Greg, I appreciate the time here as always. Uh, it's week 16 and it's a must-win situation here for the Eagles on Sunday night. Obviously a very, very tough game this past Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this Saturday we've got the Washington Redskins divisional matchup. Huge game in that if the Eagles do not win this game, they are going to be out of the playoff picture in the NFC. So let's really we, – we'll talk a little bit in passing about this Arizona game, but really let's focus – I, I kind of want to focus on this matchup on both sides of the football as we prepare for Washington. Uh, let's start with the Eagles offense against this Redskins defense and just kind of where the matchups fall and you know what you have seen on tape right. from both sides of the field here. But uh, let's start with the Eagles offense. And obviously, I, I, honestly, I don't know how you feel about it. I thought it was maybe it was arguably Sam Bradford's best game uh, as an Eagle. I thought that he handled pressure really well once again uh, and did a lot of good things, made a lot of big time throws and third down and under pressure. Really impressive day overall. I agree. It may have been his best game, which is odd to say, given what the final score was. But I thought he really stood in the pocket well, took a lot of shots, made a lot of big throws starting on the first series when he hit Matthews for 36 yards where they dropped eight and really made a big-time throw between coverage, between zone coverage. 
the run game, I think, still needs to be a little bit better. They've had stretches this season where it's been very good, but it certainly hasn't been consistent enough. But, you know, friend, I look at this matchup, and we'll talk about the Redskins' D in a sec, but I kind of feel like the Eagles can move the ball against this defense. I, I It's not an overly fast defense. Uh, I don't think their front seven or six or five, depending on what personnel right. they have on the field, is necessarily dynamic. Uh, I think Ryan Kerrigan can rush the quarterback. Preston Smith is really their other pass rusher. He plays in the sub packages. What they do is is they mix and match personnel in the secondary. And it was really interesting watching the tape because everybody knows D'Angelo Hall. He's been around the league a long time, Fran, as you know. And he's been a corner his whole career, pretty good one. And now he's a safety. And he plays safety in their base defense, and he plays safety in their dime defense, but he's not on the field in their nickel defense, (laughs) which is very odd. Instead, it's Keyshawn Jarrett, a rookie from Virginia Tech, who's actually had a really, really good season for the Redskins, a very dynamic player who can play at the line of scrimmage. He can play deep. He's a real wild card for me in this defense because he's a very good player. Yeah, I can think there's a uh, an interception that uh, was I, th- I want to say it was Will Blackman against the New York Giants where Blackman was able to get a hand on it, but you saw Kaishan Jarrett just come flying in from a single single high safety position and put a hit on. I think believe it was Dwayne Harris right. from the Giants knocked the ball up into the air, and then Blackman was able to finish for the interception. Just uh, very good range. I watched him at Virginia Tech because we actually recruited him when I was at Temple. So right. I was familiar with him coming out of high school. Good player. Uh, yeah, good player. You know, and he's a little bit undersized, but he does a lot of things yeah. really, really well. You know, he's kid. not, for those who remember, He, I wouldn't say he's quite Bob Sanders. Yep. But Interesting. there's okay. elements of, of Bob Sanders in the way he plays because sure. I think he's about 5'9". Right. You know, and the other thing, and, and it's one reason I think the Eagles can move the ball there, their nickel or, or sub-package outside corner is Quentin Dunbar. And uh, I don't know if you took a look at him. He's a free agent from Florida. Florida. And, and I don't remember him real well in college. I don't know if you do. I did not study him when he was no, in college. No, so I don't remember him real well, but he's been playing outside. They moved Blackman inside, and Breland is the other corner. And he's, he's a solid player. Uh, but because of the what the Eagles do with their pass game with all the underneath routes, with all the crossing elements, uh, mostly working 15 yards and in, I feel actually pretty good about the Eagles' ability to move the ball in this game. You know, it, it's interesting because I, as we prepare for this game, uh, I went back and I just wanted to go through kind of my notes, but then also I reread my pieces after that Washington Redskins lost back in week four just to get my sense of what what I felt after that game. And it was interesting because the the team was in a very different state back then. Yes. This is week four, the offense was really really struggling to move the ball whatsoever through the uh, on the ground and through or the through air. the air. They could, yeah, first I mean, of all, they couldn't they, run it at all. And they, they couldn't run it and they couldn't protect. I mean, no. Sam Bradford was under fire right. uh, consistently throughout the course of the game, but the defense was very stout throughout the entire game until that final drive. I want to yep. say it was like a you know a nineteen play drive to close the game out. But uh, you look at the offense. When you look at this offense matched up against this defense, and by the way, it's a different Redskins defense now than it was back then. That's what I was going to ask you how that how that has also For, happened. But you, you look at how this offense really just Sam Bradford and how far he's come along. It, and people say, oh, you know, he's more comfortable in the offense. Do you feel like it's it's more the comfort in the scheme, or do you feel al- almost as well? Look, he's he's coming off that injury as well, and that's hard to know. It's yeah. probably an unanswerable. 
But I think that with Bradford, I think he's at his best as a timing rhythm guy, uh, which theoretically most quarterbacks are. And I think that the route concepts now are probably more second nature to him. The ball comes out. Uh, he's, for the most part, an accurate passer. Every once in a while, there's one or two. We discussed this watching the game this week, that every once in a while there's one or two that just don't seem to come out sure. right. But yep. for the most part, he's an accurate passer. So, I, look, I think repetition is always critical in anything you do. So he's had more and more reps in the offense, more and more reps with the pass game concepts and the route combinations. So it's just logical that he would look better. Yeah, and I feel like in a lot of the – you touched on it, the, that he seems a little bit more comfortable in terms of the ball coming out quicker. Uh, the concepts seem a little bit more second nature. Yep. A lot of those package plays where they have a run play going and a pass play going, a lot of the times early in the season he was just almost handing it off as if like – the, the pass part wasn't even really part of the progression. Now you're seeing him pull the trigger on those a lot more, and the Eagles are, being, are able to pick up five, six, seven, eight right. yards in chunks uh, you know, through those different kinds of concepts. But uh, it'll be interesting because this was a, a team – the, the, the one matchup that I, I think is going to be huge is Ryan Kerrigan, who's got five sacks in five games, has really started to heat up against Lane Johnson. And Kerrigan has always been yes. an Eagles killer over the last few years you know, during his career. Uh, what have you seen from Kerrigan and really just this pass rush from Washington? He's kind of a, a motor speed-to-power pass rusher. He's not necessarily a bend-the-edge, although he's a little more athletic than you think, but he's not a true flexible bender. He's not right. that guy. But he's strong. He's speed-to-power. Uh, he can move people, and he finishes. And that's what's important about Kerrigan. But uh, he's he's their best pass rusher. Now, the, the kid who plays, as I mentioned, Preston Smith, the rookie from Mississippi State, who I think I remember we both liked yes, him coming out. Correct. He's they've realized that that uh, Murphy for the Stanford kid is not really a pass rusher. So he doesn't play a whole lot when they go to their sub packages once in a while. Not, but as I said, he's not really a pass rusher. Uh, I think Smith can become a good one. You know, whether that starts this week, I guess we'll find out. But he can be a good one. Uh that's really their two main pass right now. What they do is they try to create one on ones with all. They do double a gap looks, yep. and and they do that not so much to blitz in the double a gaps, but to create one on ones for Kerrigan. Yep, I, I actually put the sound for my Eagle Eye in the Sky piece later on this week. I pulled a clip. Oh, what game was it? There were. I want to say it was against the Giants. Well, it was against Marshall Newhouse. It was against Marshall Newhouse, okay. the Giants. That's what it was, where uh, Newhouse was a right tackle. They had the double A-gap yep. look, and the, the back had to leave. He had to make sure he was in the A-gap, yeah. and it was a one-on-one, -on -one, and he was able to win with a hand swipe. Because the double A-gap dictates protection, as we know, and it creates one-on-ones on the outside. They did it this week. As I remember the one you talked about against Newhouse. They did it this week, and he beat Jordan Mills. Kerrigan did right. because it was one-on-one. -on -one. He had no help. The back had to come inside in case uh, – it was, either, it was Keyshawn Jarrett, I believe, inside, and Compton, the linebacker, but the back has to go inside. To, get, to give the, the listeners just a, a mental image, basically what we're saying is, uh, and what, I've seen this actually, I, I feel like I've been drawing it up from opposing defenses now for the past few weeks because we've played a lot of different defenses that uh, utilize these type, types of tactics, but really you kind of you spread the, the defensive line out, the guys that are standing in a three-point stance, and you put two linebackers in the A gaps. And what that does is you force the offensive line to protect in a certain way. So uh, really the, the most popular way is that you have the center and a running back that are going to handle those two linebackers standing in up. In the A gap, correct. In, in the A gap. 
The other way is that you'll turn the, the you'll see slide. the full slide, yeah. the, you know, where the the whole entire offensive line will slide that direction one way or the other, with the running back then taking somebody coming off the edge. But uh, really, the most popular way is to do that uh, with the running back in the center inside. But what that does is now you've created one-on-one matchups across the board on the outside. So if you feel like your pass rushers on the outside, your edge rushers, can win one-on-one against tackles, now you've got favorable matchups that will work in your favor. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, but talking about this defense versus the defense that the Eagles just played, they're nowhere near as fast as Arizona, and, and I don't believe they'll blitz as much. Now, Arizona blitz below their seasonal average, as most teams do when they play the Eagles, but Arizona's a fast defense. I would not say the Redskins are in that category. Yeah, and I will, the linebacker position, you've got Keenan Robinson uh, and Perry Riley and guys that have been kind of right. in and out of the lineup. Riley's was inactive last week. Robinson is just coming back. Yeah. He played some snaps this week, so I don't know if he's going to be back and play more this week because they've been playing Will Compton and Mason Foster, the former Buck. Sure, the former second-round pick out of Washington. Yeah. Just, uh, it, it's, I would agree, though. It's, it's definitely not one of the faster defenses the Eagles have played this year. Uh, it's going to be a lot of interesting matchups. And then you look in the secondary, too. You touched about Brashad Breeland, a second-year round or a second year player. Clemson. I would say he was a fourth-round pick out of Clemson, yep. one of those big press corners. Uh, kind of entered the national limelight a year ago with the performance he had against Des Bryant on Monday Night Football. Uh, what have you seen from him now that he's been a full-time starter? Because Hall got hurt early in the year and he stepped in. What have you seen from Breeland? He's a solid player. I think the reason he was drafted in the fourth round is he wasn't fast. Yeah. You know, he wasn't a 4-4 guy. And usually corners, people look at that. But I think he's become a real solid NFL corner. Uh, and, you know, they don't necessarily match up per se. I mean, and, and the Eagles normally, there's not one person you're going to match up to. But I think Breland's solid. You know, it, it's the other. It, it's Blackman and then now Dunbar. You'd like to think you can, you can do some work against those guys. And as I said, Hall is now a safety with, with Golson, Deshaun Golson. And Jarrett's a wild card as, as a, a nickel defender and a dime defender. But Breland's, uh, he's he has pressability. He's kind of got some length to him. He's a good player. Yeah, no question about it. So let's flip sides here. We go to okay. the, uh, the Eagles defense and the and the Washington offense, and there's matchups that we can talk about across Forever. the board. And especially I, with the injuries, it's you yeah. Know, well, that's that's the that's the tough part about it. And we'll yeah. we'll start there. Is uh, this Redskins wide receiver core that obviously is headlined by Deshaun Jackson, but you've got Pierre Garcon who. Was a, a killer for the Eagles this past this uh, this past game in Week Four. Uh, you've got Andre Roberts. You've got Jamison Crowder. Uh, Jordan Reed is obviously a huge part of what they do offensively. Uh, first, let's go to Deshaun. Didn't play in Week Four. Right. Since he's come back in the lineup, much more of a vertical element to this passing that's, game. That's and that's Deshaun's game. He's he's arguably the best in the league as a pure vertical receiver. And they will take shots every game. And if they see one-on-ones on the outside, they're throwing the ball. And Cousins, Kirk Cousins, while he's not a big-armed guy, he's an aggressive thrower. He's a, he's he's a willing-to-turn-it-loose yeah. kind of quarterback. Yeah. Now, once in a while, that gets him in trouble. And it wouldn't surprise me if Bill Davis and the staff, you know, the defensive backs, you know, are talking about, hey, he's going to throw us one or two. He's done that in the past. But over the last eight games, Cousins has been very, very efficient. They're 5-3 and three in the last eight. He's thrown 16 touchdowns and only three interceptions. He's not been making sort of those boneheaded throws. Now, who knows what happens this week? Obviously, pressure changes everything. But you have to remember with these red, this Redskin group, 
they're really talented at the skill positions. People don't think of them that way, you know, because they haven't been a great team. Right. But, I mean, you mentioned the names. you got Deshaun, who can run by anybody. You've got Garcon, who's a really solid short and intermediate receiver. Jameson Crowder is becoming a nice little slot receiver. And, and Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed is a top, wouldn't you say right now, is a tight end who can line up all over the formation. He's top th- two or three yeah, or four in the league. Definitely, without question. The last two weeks, he's the ball's been thrown to him 16 times. He has 16 catches. Yeah, I, I, he's been as reliable as, yep. they come, as long as he's been on the football field, and that's been his, his issue, has been his durability. And they line but, him up everywhere, and that's yeah. the other thing is, you know, now you have to decide – how you play him based on where he aligns. Well, and that's the thing that really stood out to me because I remember last year at this time, uh, there was all the, you know, all the different issues that were going on down in Washington. And uh, it seemed like, you know, Jay Gruden had quote unquote, you know, the lost the locker room, the, the, the offensive playmakers didn't have faith in what they were doing. Deshaun Jackson wasn't happy with his role in his first year. I'll tell you what, they move him all over all the place. Over. They move Jordan Reed all over the place. They do such a good job with Deshaun Jackson Obviously, it's a, a vertical we- vertical weapon, but they put him in the slot, and they'll do. We talked about this leading up to the game against Atlanta back in Week One. That feels like forever ago. Uh, but when they do, and they put him in the slot, now you've got a two way go yep. vertically. That's a really really tough assignment for a nickel cornerback, uh, or if it is, or the, for a safety, or say anybody, right. yeah, anybody in the middle of the field. You've got a, a guy with that kind of that kind of speed with a two way go. It's a tough go about. And. This is a shot play offense and an offense that uses six O-line personnel, almost 12% of their offensive snaps. Very high amount, yep. Now, you know what they were this past week? They they lined up with six O-linemen against Buffalo 24 times. Wow. 24 times, okay? You know what Cousins was? Uh, They threw it eight times with six O-linemen. Interesting. Cousins was seven for eight for 139 yards and three touchdowns with six O-linemen on the field. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. Well, so uh, when they go to those alignments, I mean, obviously they're trying to make sure that they have some kind of a max protect. In well, they're there trying to dictate coverage, too, because what happens, what, what you normally get, again, it's not 100%, and the Eagles have been a, played a lot of quarters. Maybe they'll do that, which is a split safety coverage. But what most teams do is they give you a single high safety coverage because they bring the other safety in the box because they're six they're offensive linemen. Run. And they even do it at times, believe it or not, with two backs and, and a sixth offensive lineman. So normally you get a single high safety coverage, and that's when they do their shot plays because there's so many nice route concepts against single high safety that are intermediate and vertical. Yeah, and they do the the post cross. I mean, they 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 have a number of different. They do the the corner cross. Stretch, the corner, yeah, no question. You can get to Sean Jackson with what we call a minus split, and you can get him with a vertical, uh, an inside release, and he now he's on the safety. Yeah, that, that 68 yard touchdown uh, against the New York Giants earlier this year. So a very yep. very similar play. Uh, really, the other big thing too, uh, when you're looking at this offense, and we talked about him, Jordan Reed. And what he can do in terms of when they go down into the red zone, yeah. there was the touchdown he had against Tampa on that four by one set. Correct. Just when they put him to right. one side of the field, and just the different issues that you have yes. when you face a tight end of his athleticism in a confined space. Yeah, and if they do it out of three wide receiver personnel, eleven personnel, who matches up on Jordan Reed when he split as as what we say X ISO, the single receiver to the short side of the field. Because right now, Malcolm Jenkins is, is their slot corner, so he would probably match up to the third wide receiver. So who matches up to Jordan Reed if he lines up in that spot? Yeah, I, I, is it going to be Walter Thurmond? Uh, who has corner be, skills? Sure. Obviously, he's been a corner. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because then you also have to take into account 
look, if uh, if Deshaun Jackson is going to be in the slot, and this is uh, right. kind of a, aside from Jordan Reed, if Jordan, if Deshaun Jackson is going to play in the slot, which we've seen a lot of reps of him in the slot, does that mean Malcolm Jenkins is going to be lined up over Deshaun? Right, it's gonna right. Be, it's going to be very interesting to see. No, they, they the they're really good at the skill positions, and and like I said. People might not think about that because they haven't. Their record isn't great. You know, they're not in the discussion with the Arizonas, the Carolinas, the Seattle's, and all. You know, the, you know the good team, so to speak. But their their skill position play, players are really good. Yeah, no question. So then you look at this run game. It's interesting because you always think of Arizona as not not really necessarily a running team, even though they were in the top ten going into uh, this past week's game. No one really thought of them as a running team. Obviously, they had a ton of success on the ground against the Eagles on Sunday night. This Redskins team, everyone kind of thinks, you know, Alfred Morris, hey, they, they have that, that the stretch zone run game. They're trying to run the football. They're, I believe they're in, I mean, they're 20. Yeah, they haven't run it. Yeah, they're, they're 20th in the league right now, just under 97 yards per no game on the ground. No consistency. Every once in a while. Yeah, and they split it. It's pretty yeah. split down the middle yeah. here with carries between him and the rookie, Matt Jones. What has been the main issue in your mind uh, looking at their run game? I would say the run blocking, which is normally the case. I mean, I don't think either back at this point is a big time back, but I think the run blocking, they, they need it to be blocked. Yeah, sure. That, make, that and, makes sense. Right. And I remember early in the season, they had a big game against the Rams. They ran for a ton of yards. And I, well, actually, that was just before was they right played before the Eagles the Eagles. first time. Yep. And we looked at that game pretty carefully and they blocked exceptionally well. They, they've not been able to do that. I think to me, Jones is the better runner. And I think he's more capable of turning two yards into six yards than Morris is at this point in Morris's career. But they, as you said, they split it pretty evenly. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the Eagles had had a, had a lot of issues with the stretch run game against Arizona. This is a big, this is a stretch yep. run team. Uh, they try and get those uh, the front seven players on the move. Get them to over pursue yep. their angles, and now the running back can stick his foot in the ground and get downhill uh, and find a crease. And that was an issue on Sunday night. Will it be an issue on Saturday night is the big question. One other thing we should mention, they're a good screen team. That's a good, that's a good point, too. They're yeah. a really good screen team. And, and Matt Jones is a very good screen back. Yeah. And he's had some big plays, particularly when you play man. They do a really nice job of getting the, the player blocked who has man coverage on the back. They do a really nice job of that. And you have to, you have to be leery of that. The, the one matchup that stands out to me, and I remember after this game, just reveling in the fact that Fletcher Cox, oh, yeah. he, game in and game out against Washington, he takes Trent Williams, who, I, I mean, I don't know how you look at Trent Williams. You watch, obviously, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great left tackle. Would you say he's in the top 10? Yeah, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, so if, you, I, if you went through the league, you would sure. say that. Yeah, he's certainly one of the most talented players of his position. Fletcher Cox has eaten his lunch every single time they've gone yeah. up against each other. Uh, I mean, over physically, the past years. like manhandling. Yeah, that's yeah. it's not yeah. even like oh yeah, Fletcher Cox. Like it's it's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that'll be an interesting matchup to watch since those two guys. Well, that's where up. the Eagles to me have to win, and and we talked about that leading to the Arizona yeah. game, and they couldn't win. You know, we thought that hey, their D line, their pass rush, and they couldn't they couldn't do it consistently enough. They did it a couple of times, but not enough to really impact the game and change Arizona's offense. That's what they're going to have to do because Cousins is still relatively young in terms of number of starts, does have a tendency to try to do too much, can get a little frenetic in the pocket when there's pressure. They're going to have to get – they're going to have to shut down the run and get pressure on Kirk Cousins. I'm going to to put you on the spot. The Uh. Eagles will only win if they do this one thing. 
Could it be stop, you know, getting after Kirk Cousins? Is it stopping Deshaun? Is it, uh, you know, do they have to score a certain amount of points in your I mind? I view this game for the Eagles as an offensive game. Interesting. I, I think that they're going to have to put up 27-plus to win this game. Interesting. I, I, that's the way I see it. Uh, you know, just I think the Redskins have weapons. Yeah. Uh, now, there's always variables, but I just as, as I look at this game without you know turnover, without the, all these other things that can change games, right? I think the Eagles have to put up 27 plus, and I think they can. Very interesting. Well, we will find out on Saturday night. Greg Cosell, appreciate the time here as always on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We will talk to you next week. Thanks, Fran. Great stuff there from Greg. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Greg Cosell, and while you're at it. I'm at FDuffy3. You can give me a follow on Twitter. I love going back and forth with fans. I put the link out to this podcast, the Eagles Insider Podcast, the Journey to the Draft Podcast presented by AAA, and if you're further into college football, the College Draft Podcast with myself and Ross Tucker. I put out the links to all the different articles I write. All the different kinds of content that we have at PhiladelphiaEagles.com is all on my Twitter feed. And like I said, I love going back and forth with fans talking about the game. But, uh, BT, let's get into the rest of the show here. We have two technique coming up here with Randall Evans. But first, what do we have uh, on iTunes this week? Well, we got a good comment from Rightum. Uh, I, didn't fi- I didn't forget about you, Anthony Russomano. I'm going to send you some swag, so just be on the lookout for it. You know, Eagle Santa is coming, so just be on the, on the, on the way. But... Uh, we got a good comment from Wrightham, who uh, who's a, is a grad of uh, North Carolina A and T, and they played Alcorn State in the in the Celebration Bowl, a little MIAC action. They sure did uh, back in my my Hampton days. Um, but he uh, went there and he watched the game. And he gave a really good comment about how they've come really far and done very well. So it, w- it was interesting to, to see his thoughts on the game. And it's obviously not a game that I'm sure many people watch, but um, Wrightham certainly certainly has seen them come a long, long way, and it's, it's nice that he gave them a little bit of praise. Yeah, and I, I caught a little bit of the game, and it was the first bowl game. so it was Who like, stood out? What, what, what happened? Well, you had the, the running back, Tariq Cohen, was the guy who stood out. He was the MVP of the game. He's like a little, little guy. Small, yeah, small, 5'6", 172 pounds, so certainly undersized. But uh, it was the MVP of the game, 22 carries, 295 yards, and three touchdowns. Wow. So big game there. Uh, that A&C program has really come a long, long way. Uh, and another player who has really come a long way, a former walk-on at Kansas State. He was a sixth-round draft pick of the Philadelphia Eagles this past spring. Randall Evans, a rookie corner. I got a chance to chat with him last week and talk about different uh, in, little, little things technique-wise from the cornerback position. Let's get to that interview. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for Two Technique. Joining me this week on Two Technique, Eagles cornerback Randall Evans. And Randall, uh, I wanted to focus this week on how a cornerback can play to his help, first with a single high man coverage and then with cover two man with two high safeties over top. First, let's just talk about single, uh, single high man coverage. How does a cornerback play to his help in the middle of the field with a single high safety? Um, playing with, to his help with a single high safety, you knowing that you got a deep safety, so for the most part you'll get help on a post route. So you know that on your one-on-one coverage that if he runs vertical, you probably won't get safety help. If he run a dig, you probably won't get help. Or if he run a slant. So it helps a lot to just knowing that the post is already eliminated. So that's one route that, as a cornerback, you can say the post is eliminated, knowing that you got a post safety. So then when you, so let's say you're at the line of scrimmage and you know, okay, this guy's getting an outside release. Do you automatically just know, okay, I'm not going to have my help. My help automatically now becomes the sideline? Yes, most definitely. The help is the sideline. And you just got to know where, where that receiver is at. If he's two yards out, that means there's only one route, either 
that's when you um it's a combination. It's a combination on receiver tree with either a go route or he can be running a comeback if he release outside. And then how does it change for when you're playing two-man coverage uh, and you've got safety now behind you over the top, you've got a split safety look. How does that change with your mindset as a cornerback? All right, that can change a lot because knowing that you got a safety and two-man now, now you know you got over the top. So now this safety will be able to help on the post and the vertical route. So basically you'll be singled on all the comebacks, the digs, and even if he was to run like a – um, a slant, you know, all that is underneath. So you, you know as a cornerback that you need to play inside of that knowing that you got safety over the top. So none should get over the top of the head. So the corner need to cover everything underneath. So if you're playing up against a team, this would be the last question, if you're playing against a team that you know, hey, look, those receivers like to run a lot of double moves and you're playing two-man, you feel like you can be more aggressive if you're playing two-man coverage because you know you've got those safeties over the top? Uh, most definitely. Just, you just got to believe in your safety. You know, believe in the, in the defense, knowing that if we're in two men and you got a safety over the top, you know, just make sure you cover everything underneath. And that should be your only job, knowing that you got somebody over the top of you. Great stuff there from Randall. He did a great job breaking down some specifics in man coverage as a cornerback. So now I'm going to quickly break down how to subscribe to a podcast. It's the easiest thing in the world if you've never done it before. If you're listening to this podcast on the Eagles app or on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, all you have to do is go to your device, whether it's your laptop, your phone, your tablet, and you can go. Find your native podcast app, search for the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, and hit subscribe, and the show will come to that device each and every week, and you can listen whenever you want. It's the best thing in the world. BT was the one who got me hooked on podcasts, and now I've never consumed content the same way since then. Uh, definitely the way to go. And if you want to continue listening to different programs like this one, it's the definitely the way to go. Go and subscribe uh, on your local device, and you get the show to your phone Exit. each and every week. But let's get to the rest of the show here on the Eagle Line in the Sky podcast. Let's wrap it up with Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, here we go. Let's wrap the show up with Saturday Scouting. We had some uh, interesting declarations for the NFL Draft this past weekend. Uh, C-Mac and I talked about it on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. We talked about uh, Robert Kimdichie from Ole Miss. We talked about Scooby Wright, the linebacker from Arizona. Love him. No need to talk about them here because we've already talked about them on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So, so go listen there. If you're really, really interested in college football and the NFL Draft or starting to get into that time of year, go and subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast and uh, listen to the last few weeks' episodes. We've, we've really started to dig deeper into a lot of these prospects. So we have some underclassmen who've come out and they've, they've committed to the draft. Some guys from, three guys from Florida I want to ask you about. All right? Okay. Top guy I'm, I'm a big fan of, former, uh, former son of former oh, running back Fred Taylor of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Kelvin Taylor. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on him? Kelvin Taylor is a little bit undersized. I, I watched him over the summer, and I was pretty impressed. You know, I, I really liked his quickness, his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I thought he was pretty decisive as a runner. I'd like to see him get uh, a little bit more natural when things are muddy up front. You know, that, that was one of the big concerns I had with him. But a guy that can do a lot of different things because of his athleticism, his quickness, his change of direction. Uh, excited to dig deeper into him. I thought he hit holes and he ran very hard. He kind of, he, he didn't dance and, and play around a lot. Very not not similar to his dad. I think he is a little bit more explosive than his dad. But I thought he I thought he really ran the ball well downhill. Yeah, it was it was an impressive player for sure. Uh, what do you tell me about Alex McAllister, pass rusher? So I haven't studied McAllister yet, right? So he was he wasn't on my radar at all coming into the year, but uh, was very very productive early in the season. So as I continued to watch Florida, uh, I kept finding my eyes dart over to this kid because he's got that. Kind of that Barkevious Mingo build, right? He's got that lean basketball frame. The Mingo he's got, baby. Yeah, he's got the ability to turn the corner. He's got a really good, you know, impressive burst in a short area. So 
I'm really, really excited to, to dig deeper into him because uh, there's not a ton of pass rushers in this class that have that kind of a skill set. This class, in terms of the edge rushers, are more power leverage type players, those guys that uh, you know can win with their strength at the point of attack. Not a ton of the bend the edge. Slender, the get around. Yeah, and he, and he could be one of those guys. Now, he was dismissed from the team last week, and that's why he declared. So there's going to be some off-field issues that teams will have to do some work on. But uh, McAllister sure looks the part from you know off the cuff from what I've seen so far. Not to get off point, but how many guys do you notice when you're not actually looking for them? Like, is, is it a it large happens. percentage? Uh, I mean, it happens because typically I'll give you guys a peek on how I do it when I'm watching college guys. I just, when I watch games just to study them, I'm studying just one guy. I want to focus. watch like, his so footprints all over the field. I, that's, all, that's all I'm doing. I am zeroing in on one player. And obviously, look, there are going to be times where I notice other players at certain positions, and that, and that happens. So what I'll do is if I see a guy is starting to make plays and I don't know who he Start is, to write his name down. I'll, go, I'll write his name down, and I'll do a quick search and just see who it is, and I'll put him on my watch list just, to, just so I have an idea uh, of later on, hey, who's this kid? I, I found a, a couple of different players that way uh, over the past. Actually, Robert Turbin. Uh, running back from Utah, Utah State. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like them a lot, actually. Yeah, he ended up being a middle-round pick. In, uh, Seattle. I remember I was watching Utah State play somebody else. I was watching on the defensive side of the ball, and I saw this running back that kept running all over, running all yeah. over the place. And I said, oh, who is this kid? And I, you know, that was his junior year, uh, and on we went. But uh, it definitely happens sometimes. I'm sure what's difficult in that scenario is that you see a guy making plays, and you're like, who is this guy? And then he doesn't make any more plays. Yeah, you're right. like, all right, I spent this time looking at a guy who really – can't play but yeah it's, it's, it's always interesting though, because sure I, want see the, I want to see the flash players you know so the guys that are going to stand out to me when i'm not necessarily looking for them uh is one thing because their play can do all the talk yeah for them. saturdays during the fall i'm not studying you know when i'm watching the games i'm just trying to watch the game and enjoy it enjoy as a fan. It as fan, right. uh but when i go to study it i, I really just kind of zero in on one guy all right, last guy who, de- who declared from Florida, Demarcus Robinson. Uh, you said he's nephew of uh, a former receiver, Marcus Robinson. Yeah, former first-round pick. He was, you know, Marcus Robinson was really kind of our generation. When we were like yeah. in middle school, high school, yep. he was he was playing in the league, and uh, now his son is in, is going to be in the NFL. It's weird here. You <laughs> see all these sons and nephews. and like, yep. uh, It makes us feel a little bit old. But, uh, you know, obviously a guy that has a lot of talent, and he, he was I think he was the leading receiver last year for Florida. I went back and I watched him over the summer, and I came away really, really impressed with his ability. I think athletically he has everything you want. There were times where I thought he tracked the ball really, really well downfield, and other times where I thought he could have done a little bit of a better job. So uh, I'm interested to see how he developed in that area. I will say that the off-field seems to be an issue because uh, he started the season third on the depth chart, was kind of in the doghouse, new coaching staff. Jim McElwain got hired there this this past offseason, so – uh, I think it was a little, even though he ended up being the leading receiver on that team, it was kind of a rough going throughout the season, uh, was suspended at some point later in the year. And then uh, even I think he had to get reinstated just to play in the bowl game. I mean, all kinds of issues there throughout the, uh, throughout the season. Do you, for do you know his uh, measurables? You know, I want to say that he's listed. I want to say he's like in that 5'11", 195, and I don't have anything in front of me. I wanna, but just from what I remember, I want to say he was in like that 5'11", 195 range. So, you know, not great size. He's not terribly undersized either, but... Uh, he's not know, a not, T.Y. Hilton, is he? No, he's bigger than that. Bigger than that. He okay. was bigger than that. Okay. So he's, a, so he's, a, he's, he's not a, a big receiver, but he's big enough that he can obviously... Sure, he can exactly play right. the middle of the field. Exactly right. So, so, cool. So we have a couple bowl games coming up this week. Yes, we have Go a to, lot of bowl games coming up Well, a lot of bowl games, but there's a couple ones we're going we're gonna to hit on. Yes. Uh, it's great that college football is now getting back in the swing of things. I found myself watching 
any game now because you there's football it, and you know that it's uh and, and it, there's not much left it's not much left and it, they're also actually meaningful games so it's almost like my equivalent to maybe playoff hockey like right. i'm not the biggest regular season hockey fan i'll watch games or march madness but you know, when, right. when, when when you put me anything that has appointment tv i'll watch it so sure. we got the godaddy.com bowl at lad people stadium where we'll be uh hopefully actually we won't be there because we'll be preparing for the super bowl <laughs> but good, yes. if for some reason we do not make the playoffs uh, we will be down at Lad People Stadium in Mobile, Alabama, one of my favorite places of, away from home. Yes. Uh, Bowling Green versus Georgia Southern. You got a guy from Georgia Southern to watch out for. Yeah, so there's a guy that got announced for the Shrine game, a linebacker from Georgia Southern, uh, Antoine Williams. He, you know, looks like a size-speed prospect. He's a bigger guy. I want to say he's in the 6'3", 235, 240-pound range, so a big kid. Uh, he certainly looks the part. You know, He can run uh, pretty well. He looks impressive in the open field with his burst, his suddenness. My question with him was he seemed to have a little bit of slow eyes. You know, sometimes his eyes would be a little bit late, and so then, therefore, obviously, he was late getting to the football. Uh, but physically, he definitely impressed you. The guy that he reminded me of, actually, Nigel Bradham from, uh, from Florida State a few years back. Ended up with for the Bills. Yeah, you know, he's for the Bills. Exactly right. He's kind of got that big physical build inside. I think he could play a number of different positions because he's got that straight-line burst, but then also that size to be able to hold up at the point of attack. I think he'll probably be a guy that's going to have to earn his way, but – we're going to see him at the Shrine game. And again, he's going, to, he's going to be one of those guys that when we see him, you're going to say, wow, he really looks the part. Yeah, I think uh, I'm interested to see what, what guys stick out in these games because I'm not saying guys have more to play for, but I think they realize this is their last game to really put something on sure. tape. And, yep. and, and you're, I don't, I don't know if you're, would you say you're evaluated differently in, in a game like this versus a game versus Roast Beef Tech? Yeah, well, I, I, I think that the big thing is, is you're almost always going up against an equal. That's uh, true. Right, right, right. So you right. Know, it's not like you're it's not going, inferior talent. Exactly. Right. So you, you know, okay, it's going to be. Hopefully, it's a good test, and so you know, you can look at a, a lot of these different bowl games and try and find good matchups that you wouldn't normally see. So you know, we're going to see this Ohio State Notre Dame game in a couple of weeks, where it's you know, there's star-studded blue-chip prospects on both sides of the football potentially getting matched up one-on-one against each other uh, at different points in the game. So right. that'll that'll make it for it'll make a, for a lot of fun. So another bowl I'm a big fan of, the Popeyes Bahama Bowl, which they had a great game, great ending last year. That's right. Uh, Western Michigan's playing Middle, Ten- Middle Tennessee State. Excuse me. Uh, what, what's the lookout for that one? So you got there's two guys for the Senior Bowl in the, in this game. Okay, so this so is a double dip. This is a double dip, and it's all when Western Michigan has the ball. So that's, why, that's the only <laughs> it's, time it's you even watch. easier. Yeah. So you only have to watch. From you just one turn side. back when they have the ball. Western Michigan's got their left tackle Willie Beavers. Okay, who uh, Willie is Beavers? A, exactly. So you, you know a guy that. He looks the part for an NFL offensive lineman. Probably is a. I think he's more of a guard than he is a tackle. I think he could play a tackle, but because he, he's got really good feet, he's got light feet. He moves pretty well. He just has no idea how to how to use his hands. You know, and that's the big thing is you want to be able to see him how far he comes along. That's why that week at the Senior Bowl will be big for him. He's with NFL coaches. We'll see how he develops from that Tuesday, that first practice, whether he's at Fairhope or at Lad Peebles, <laughs> all the way up until uh, Friday. So it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop. But Beavers is a really interesting player. And then Middle Tennessee, man, they've got a safety, this kid Kevin Byard, who I was really, really impressed with because he's, he's a strong safety. And when you went right away now, because you know, everyone wants those safeties they can cover, you think, okay, he's a strong safety. Does that mean he can't run, he can't cover? He's a big hitter, and that I do think he's probably better near the line of scrimmage than he is in the back end. But 
he's got really good ball skills and he takes really good angles from the back end. So I think he kind of makes up for a little bit. He's more athletic, I would say, than Landon Collins was last year. He's a good blitzer. He can play too high. He can play single high. Uh, I don't know how wow. much you want him to play man coverage, but uh, a guy that really, really impressed me when I watched him, I'm excited to see him in person. And I think this will be a good one because Western Michigan has a receiver, actually, Corey Davis. Yeah, uh, he bro- he's broken a lot of records. Yeah, he's been very, record. very yeah. productive. Exactly yeah. right. So, uh, you know, we'll see if those guys get matched up at all uh, at any point in the secondary. But just a very, very impressive player. I'm excited to see Bayard in person. This will be a big game for him. I was going to say, this This will be a – with his that dynamic skill set, it sounds like he can really put a lot of good stuff on tape and really open his eyes to a lot of the decision makers in the NFL. Yeah, and that, that's why the, this game and then also that the, the Senior Bowl is going to be a big week for – a lot of these small school guys that haven't really had the opportunity to shine against big competition. We talked in the past about that, the kid from William & Mary, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson, the safety. I mean, it's the same kind of deal, especially at the safety position because it's so hard to get quality There's not tape. Many, right. Uh, so, you know, I, I think this will be a big opportunity for him. And I'm not going to go out. I'm not going to say he's exactly like him, but a former Western Michigan guy that played receiver, Antonio Brown. Central Michigan. Central R. Damn. Uh, yeah, you, you, you were close. I thought I, I, thought I, I, you I, thought I, you had I said it. it with confidence. Uh, when you, you said Western it. Michigan receiver, I was, I was like, like, oh, no. I, I, I saw your face. I'm like, oh, oh this can't no. be right. Fran's searching. Fran's <laughs> searching. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he, he, he seems maybe a – I don't think he's as quick as Antonio Brown, but he kind of reminded me of a skill set. You're talking similar. about Davis. Uh, Corey Davis, yeah, yeah the receiver, uh, number 84 from Western Michigan. So. Yep. I think it'd be a good matchup to check out. Obviously, um, going against a good talent in a game that matters, and a, and a guy that seems like he can do a lot. So I'll, I'm definitely going to check it out. Yep, no question about it. So, uh, well, let's wrap this show up. Thanks again to Greg Cosell, Randall Evans, as well as all of you out there listening. Whether you're on iTunes, you're on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, of course, PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And if you get the time, go on, rate the show, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Shoot me a question. I want to hear from everybody out there and keep everyone happy. And again, it's the best way to support this podcast. So wherever you listen, just go on, shoot us a comment, and we can keep making this show better each and every week. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show on the books here on the Eagle Line of Sky podcast. For my producer, BT, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.